What's up, everybody? Jason with the Louisiana HR Podcast, our second part series coming off of the Founders BR Podcast. If you enjoyed the Founders BR Podcast, you're really going to enjoy this, where we share insights from Louisiana's top HR influencers and leaders from across the state. And in today's episode, we sit down with Chris Gatlin. She is Chief Human Resource Officer for EQ Health. She's doing some fantastic work, and we sit down and discuss a year in reflection. We look back into 2020 and how she was able to navigate all the changes that came from the unprecedented pandemic we faced in 2020. She's got some amazing insights on how she navigated employee engagement to driving compliance and so many other things that certainly was a challenge for so many business leaders. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Give us a like, give us a comment, let us know what you think. And without further ado, check it out. So welcome, everybody. Super excited to uh, get started here. I've been talking with Chris Gatlin over at EQ Health and uh, really has an amazing story. We've already had an opportunity to chat and just what they've done in the past year. I think like so many organizations is pretty incredible. So I'm going to stop there <laughs> and I'll let Chris take over. But Chris, if you could give us a background on what your role is and a little bit on the organization that you work for. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you guys hosting me. I'm the Vice President of Human Capital at EQ Health Solutions, and EQ has been around for 36-plus years. We were originally the QIO for the state of Louisiana, and people may recognize us as Louisiana Healthcare Review. And most recently, at the end of 2019, we went from a not-for-profit company to a for-profit company, and we're now known as EQ Health Solutions, LLC. We did maintain a not-for-profit portion of the company and had a name change, and they're known as EQ Health AdviseWell, Inc. And so we have always been into dealing with people and population management and always dedicated to improving the health and well-being of all populations from, you know, birth to death, so to speak. And we've always had uh, transparency in our contracts and, you know, tried to bring a lot of innovation. We have a huge IT team that's very dedicated to coming up with the latest, greatest applications and ways to do things, striving for innovation and best in class and those types of things. So what I really wanted to talk to you about is what we have done in the last year with COVID-19 raising its ugly head. And it's hard to believe that it's been a year, but we have offices in seven different locations. So not only do we monitor what's going on in the state, but, you know, we also have to monitor federal as well. So about 50% of our staff were remote uh, at the time that COVID hit. So it was imminent that we deploy the rest of our staff to work from home. So as I stated, we have a huge IT department. So within a weekend, they were able to get staff home with monitors, computers, phones, and everybody started working remote. And the challenge for HR was, you know, we have to come up with some new policies, you know, to address COVID. So the first was a communicable disease policy, you know, requesting that the staff report to us if they've been exposed to COVID, if they've been diagnosed with COVID, and, you know, getting out a lot of this education. The other thing was a telecommuting policy, you telling staff what the expectation was at home for those who had not worked there, having them set up a private office area, because since we deal with patients on the various contracts, we have to you know, make sure that HIPAA is in compliance and that we protect the patient's health information. 
Uh, the next thing we had to do was come up with COVID-19 employee, visitor, vendor screening for the few offices that remained open. And, you know, had to educate the visitors. You need to check in. We're going to do temperature checks and, you know, ask you if you've had any symptoms in that. And then following with the federal guidelines, FEMLA came out with leave expansion and all of the emergency paid sick leave. So I believe people will remember this as Families First Coronavirus Response Act, or FFCRA. And staff, if they were unable to work because of a, a local quarantine or isolation, because they had been advised to self-quarantine, if they were themselves experiencing symptoms and were told to seek a medical diagnosis, if they were caring for someone in their home who was self-quarantined or had a diagnosis, or perhaps they had a child whose school or place of care was closed, or if the person themselves were experiencing conditions. We were able to ask our staff, you know, if you have any of these, these are qualifying events that would allow you to access the Families First Act. And then we had to ask payroll to get involved to make sure that the leave was properly co and track these employees. You know, are you physically just working from home? Are you physically ill? Let us know if your daycare opens back up. And because the majority of our staff have children and stuff, it was of great concern because the schools and daycares were closing all around the country, which really put a burden on our staff. Staff wanted to work, but, you know, it's hard to work during the middle of the day when you're trying to entertain a three-year-old and a nine-year-old and have the dog barking. So, you know, they can from firsthand experience. Absolutely. So we can contend with that. And, you know, some of them had to let me work in the morning and take care of my kid, you know, homeschool the kid in the afternoon. So they came up with all kinds of scenarios and we were able to work through each and every one of them. One of the other things that we did for our staff, since they're virtually all home, we created a tab on our intranet. And every time we came across an article from the CDC or OSHA or any federal guidelines, we put that on our COVID website, you know, as part of our intranet so that staff had readily available access to resources. We found as we went, we had to put resources with how to cope with stress. I mean, staff were just knee deep in the news, the news, the news. We told them, shut off the TV and just do your work. You know, that'll help. That's advice I I, I think you can give. Yes, I know. You know, that stress, put your kids, tell them, you know, I'm I'm working right now. I'll get to you in a minute, those types of things. And then since we do have a lot of employees that had children, we had to put some resources on there with children, you know, as far as telling your child, you know, what the virus was, why are you home and not in school and helping to explain those things. And one of our our, we call it fireside chats. One of our physicians is a psychiatrist and she actually did a webinar for us and we're telling our staff, you know, how to help the children and things to do to experience that. Now, It became important for us to touch base with our staff. It's okay for me to see you every day and I can haul hit. But, you know, if you're working remote and I'm working remote, how do we connect? So all of the various teams and divisions had what we call daily huddles. And if I huddled with my team, you know, I'd ask anybody exposed, anybody have a positive confirmation of COVID? Are you self-quarantined? And we have staff, like I said, in seven states and That's just where we have offices. So it's feasible. We could have staff all over the United States that work remote. So we had to ask, did you travel outside of the United States? And if so, you have to self-quarantine when you come back. And again, 
tapping into our employee assistance programs where they were able to get three free phone calls and then some face-to-face with social distancing visits and then asking about school closures. Because, you know, this happened in the spring right when Uh, staff had two to three more months of school. We were kind of blessed with the summer. People normally have a routine during the summer that, you know, your child goes to camp or daycare, but those kinds of things were not available this summer. So again, staff had to become creative with what am I going to do with my child? They're driving me nuts, you know. I need some relief. So not only did we deal with COVID, but you'll recall it was a very busy hurricane season. So not only did we have to prepare our staff for COVID, but we had to prompt them, hey, we have so many hurricanes coming to Louisiana or to Florida. Be sure you, you prep for the hurricane as well. So, you know, that was a slightly twist in the pie here. Right. One of the things that we spent a lot of time with was looking up resources for the staff. So we planned a lot of education for the staff because you're only as good as you are informed. And we use a learning management system called MindFlash. So we did various modules. Every time something changed with COVID, we would update and put a module on MindFlash and telling the staff, this is how you work safe during COVID. This is what we do as a corporate. You know, we terminally cleaned all the offices. At the time where you came back, we provided you with personal protective equipment. We provided you with a mask, with hand sanitizer, with spray. And we even contacted the landlords at the different offices to make sure that they bumped up their cleaning and that they increased the airflow in the building. You know, that was one of the things that, you know, just a little thing, but we needed to inform the staff we had done this. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Ritchie is our chief medical officer, and early on, we tapped into his expertise, and we named it Fireside Chats with Dr. Ritchie, even though we're in South Louisiana here, and it's a little warm. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I'm actually at the Fireside Chat with the, you can't see it for all those listening, but I got my little Fireside Chat in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dr. Ritchie was instrumental in bringing the staff together. In a year's time, we were able to do 14 webinars where he would bring the latest, greatest information, the statistics. We asked staff a week ahead of time, send us your questions. And he was very, very thorough in answering any question. And even after we we had the webinar, they could then, you know, oh, I forgot to ask this. We had someone monitoring the chat and we could ask questions while we were doing the Farside chat. We put together Every way we could think of how to reduce transmissions between employees, we put up signs about hand washing. We actually marked off the floors and the entrances to six feet social distances. We reminded staff how to cover your mouth and nose, you know, kind of sneeze like you're the vampire with the children. And one of our big laughs was we told all the staff, avoid men. And they said, avoid men. I said, yes, avoid your mouth, your eyes, your nose, avoid men. So, you know, we introduced a little humor to COVID there. Um, Yes, indeed. We propped the doors, you know, where we could so that people wouldn't have to frequently touch the handles. We told them no handshaking. Of course, we eliminated all of our travel. We put up plexiglass separations where we could, you know, to divide staff. Uh, And we posted those hand-washing signs in all of the bathrooms and in our kitchen areas and those types of things. From a business perspective, we moved all of our meetings to virtual. 
video conferencing. We accessed team meetings, webinars, Zooms, and, you know, whatever we could to keep the distance and keep our people safe. And since HR handles a lot of our benefits, we were in close contact with all of our benefit vendors. Our medical plans, since at the time when COVID hit, we were self-funded, we moved to paying for 100% of any employee who wanted to be testing. You know, our company took the hit for that. We worked with our pharmacy vendor to relax the 90-day refill policy on their prescriptions, which allowed staff to get more than 90 days at a time. You know, that way they could stay home and you weren't frequenting the pharmacy. We worked with our health HSA and FSA flexible spending and health spending accounts to allow the staff to purchase a lot of the -the over-the-counter medical products that weren't normally uh, utilized in that plan. They could buy masks and other products like that. We also worked with our 401k and our 403b retirement vendors to allow staff to make early withdrawals from their retirement plans and had the 10% tax waived. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, we instituted telehealth for the staff. Then as each month progressed, uh, the president came up with the opening up America again. So since we have offices in the seven states, you know, all of the different states were at phase one or phase two or phase three. And staff were very fearful about returning to work and what was our process going to be. So we had to do a lot of education on making sure they understood, you know, the cleaning we had done and, you know, that it was indeed safe. We decided to bring staff back in groups so that we could socially distance them, and we had to reconfigure a few of the offices to accommodate this. And, you know, some states adhere to the phases that were put in place. Other states, it was wide open, you know, you don't have to wear a mask, but we stood firm on our ground that if our government says you wear a mask and you clean, you're going to do that. So again, education to alleviate the fear, and we did that by telling the staff, we're going to spotlight what you're afraid of. It's just like if you're home and you're afraid of the dark, you turn the light on. Well, we're going to showcase the things that you're afraid of and make some efforts at eliminating this fear. When we talked before, Jason, you asked, how did we hold the staff together in such a virtual environment? And part of that was HR's function. And early on last year, just before COVID formally hit, one of our corporate goals was to increase our employee engagement by 10% year over the year. So I spoke with our CEO and HR said, we'll take ownership of that. So we formed an employee engagement committee and had representation from every contract and from every division within our corporate structure. And then we told everybody, you know, what mechanism are you going to stay in touch with your staff? Early on, we met once a week, then, you know, every other week, and then we moved it towards the end of the year to having monthly meetings, but each person was able to share and just concentrate on one thing. You know, some of the ideas that the staff came up with were phenomenal. They had the daily huddles, some had group chat, some would start their meetings with a little humor. 
And of course, you know, focusing on a virtual birthday. One of the things I was really impressed with our group from Florida, they took nurse by nurse and said, okay, hi, my name is Chris. You know, I'm married. I have three dogs and a bird. And these are pictures of my children. And I've been a nurse for so long. And really getting to know each other and some of the things that motivated them. And when Florida started sharing, I said, this is an awesome idea. You know, Mm -hmm. so other divisions started picking this up and sharing with it. And it was a great way for staff to know each other and for every day to know that, oh, you know, you have dogs and rescue dogs. So do I, you know, and it was an immediate connection between the staff. Uh, One of the teams at a certain time every day, they'd have a stop and stretch for five minutes. So they'd all pause, get on the video chats here where they could see each other and they'd have a stop and stretch, which is a great idea because so many of them are sitting in front of a computer for hours at a time and you need to move around. So another happy one. One of the managers made personal calls to all of her team members, you know, at least once a week to touch base, find out what COVID is concerning you now, you know, is there any work issues that are concerning you? And then, of course, our IT team played two truths and a lie. You know, I've played that game before. And You learn a lot about somebody in that game. Oh, you most certainly do. And then another group just had a lot of different icebreakers. We were fortunate to have the use of SurveyMonkey, so we used a lot of SurveyMonkey during this time. We had our first SurveyMonkey was just checking a pulse on you. How are you doing working remote? What are your concerns? What can we help you with? What did we do good by sending you home? Tips we can share? What are some issues that are still unresolved that we can come back and correct? And the staff gave us lots of information. And the staff who were already remote before COVID, They were the ones who really helped us convert the remaining staff to working remote by giving them lots of tips and things that they could use that made it more helpful. Our CEO, at least twice a year, hosts a big what we call town hall meeting where everybody, if you're not physically here in our corporate location where you get on virtually, and he was able to alleviate a lot of fears, gave them, you know, this is a state of the union address from EQ. These are our financials. I mean, very transparent. These are our contracts. We're holding steady. And we're able to tell the staff, we're not laying off people. We're not touching your salary. Maybe we won't have a merit raise next year something like that. But, you know, we're going to hold steady and keep at our core business and keep everybody on the front lines working and stuff. And I think it was a great message to send to the staff. We did a few more of those types of surveys throughout the year. And, you know, we even asked our staff, you know, would you please rate our overall response to COVID on a scale of one to five? And staff rated us at a 4.8, which was phenomenal, telling us we really did a great job with that. And every once in a while, you know, we'll continue to touch base, you know, what continues to bother you or concern you or what keeps you up at night. And most recently, the staff are saying, and this is true across the country, if I can do my job remote, can I stay remote? And, you know, that's that's one of the highlights. And, of course, we've been discussing that at all levels of the company. And, you know, we haven't reached a decision yet. I think it's going to be a contract by contract. Contract division by division decision because 
as you know, lots of times we work better if we can physically all be in the same building and see each other and hear each other. You can get things done. I can run to so-and-so's office and grab an answer real quick instead of waiting hours for return on an email and stuff. So those are the things that are at the top of their mind. Our last fireside chat was probably two to three weeks ago. And as you know, the vaccinations are available now. It started off around the country for those people who were, I believe, 70 and older. And we do have a few of those in our workforce. So, you know, kudos to those. I think people who were experiencing autoimmune or had a medical condition could be in line for the immunizations first. And then we followed state by state as the vaccinations became available. We even had our medical director participated in one of the clinical trials for COVID. So kudos to that. Right now, staff are steadily returning to our work environment. We are not making the vaccination mandatory. We feel as a company that that's a personal choice for somebody. And most recently, yesterday, how's that for most recently? C is addressing the issue of going back to school with the possibility of three-foot spacing instead of six-foot. So we're going to wait. Right now, it's still, it's still six-foot social distancing, and we're going to wait their recommendations on that because, oh uh, my gosh, it's already March, you know, and people will be looking to see what's coming around come September and, you know, Mm-hmm. We'll get back to normal. But uh, the vaccinations, I know we have, I think it's the Moderna, the Pfizer, and then the Johnson vaccinations that are currently being offered around the country. And some of our staff are eager to get them. Others, you know, maybe possibly don't believe in that. That's where we are. It's been an awesome year. It's been very interesting. It's not over yet. You can watch the statistics and see that our country is doing better. But there's a concept called herd immunity with only 10% of the population immunized. You know, we're not there yet. And flu season, it's been basically a non-event here in the Baton Rouge community. I think everybody has practiced you know, washing your hands and getting the germs and spraying their homes and everything that you haven't seen the flu like we have in the past. And of course, the focus has been on COVID and stuff. So that's about it. What kind of questions might you have, Jason? Yeah, well, I'm glad. And I tell everybody this, I try to do as little talking as possible. (laughs) And you have definitely covered it so well, Chris. I think it's really amazing to hear how not only you and so many organizations have been thrust into this unprecedented level of change and have been able to handle it so well and come up with creative ways to continue to drive engagement and communications. And there was a few things I wrote down that really stuck out to me. One thing that I love is the daily huddles and your reference of the hall hits. I Mm -hmm. love that because I think so many people have been always very reliant on how do you gauge a pulse of your organization. And I've never heard that, but I think that's the best way of explaining is the hall hit. And myself included in being in leadership of that, when you walk through the hall, you kind of use it. I'm curious of what are some ways, and you kind of shared on it, like how did you come up with that daily huddle and how do you continue to use, like, what are you using to kind of continue that level of engagement when those are so remote? 
Well, I'm glad you asked that. It was actually our CEO's idea with his top leadership team. He started a daily huddle, and then I think it just trickled downhill. And one of his favorite saying is, be the shadow, you know, be the leader, you know, and we use that often, you know, and I tell people, you know, you have to be the leader. You have to demonstrate the behavior you want others to follow. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a funny story, but we had an employee in our Florida office who said she wasn't going to wipe down her desk. And I said, if the CEO of our company can pull out a Clorox wipe and wipe his office where it says other duties as assigned in your job description, I think you can wipe it down. We have meetings in our big boardroom where everybody's spaced. And at the end of the meeting, the Clorox wipes come down off and wipe down the countertops and the chairs. We are demonstrating what we we want the staff to do and emulating that behavior. Yeah, I love it. Be the shadow. I think that's another great reference is, you know, people will emulate leadership. And I think that's a great testament to what you're doing there. The other question I had was, you know, we talked about like the flu season and you talk about it being somewhat of a non-issue. And I think, you know, myself included and a lot of folks recognize that we as a society have made a major change. I think there's a couple of shifts when it comes to actual safe practices and you know how we wash our hands, how we cover our mouth, and we've adopted, certainly myself, I've never been as good at that as my entire life, and that's out of necessity. And I think that's now something that has been ingrained into me that I will carry forever moving forward. I'm hopeful that COVID becomes a non-thing, but that's still something that I practice. On a level of like an organization standpoint, now that you've gone through this change, Looking forward, what do you see the horizon to be within not even just maybe EQ Health, but just when it comes to managing a workforce? Do you feel like there's anything that we've adapted that will forever be different or do you see that changing? And from your vantage point, how do you see that happening? I think the virtual world is here to stay. You know, we have so many employees around the country. I think that we need to improve our virtual presence. And uh, not too many weeks ago, we did... uh, webinar for our leadership and then for our uh, engagement committee you know you look at you on your video screen you know do you see a face you know when you're speaking to people do you have a mask and is your speech mumbled and we were just teaching the leaders how to have that presence that online presence and encouraging Mm -hmm. everybody to use their video cameras because we're so used to being a society where people talk all the time and now you've resorted to these meetings, but, you know, we're encouraging the video so that people can see your expressions and, you know, react to that. When I was home and putting together that presentation, my six-year-old grandson was there and I had a slide that had all these expressions on all these different people's faces. And he said, Granny, that man's mad. Granny, that man's happy. And I thought, well, you know, the six-year-old has it. Surely I can use this slide with leadership and they can get what facial expressions and body language bring to our communication. So, yes, I think think communication, you know, it's always something – we can improve on, and especially with the virtual world, it's here to stay. From an HR perspective, you know, our onboarding is virtual. You know, we used to bring everyone to the office to interview, and now we're doing virtual interviews. We used to, for executive positions, we were in the habit of flying in executives to meet with the C-suite. Right now, we're doing that virtually because we need to put everybody's best interest first. You know, we don't want to do any harm. So, Again, you know, the communication, the virtual world, I think, is here to stay. 
I think it's um, you said another thing that really sticks out to me, which is some of the things that we normally took. We make assumptions sometimes that, you know, facial expressions and what that communicates. We take that for granted that, oh, that should be common knowledge. Or maybe you talked about how we normally would get in an office. I would learn through just general conversation that you have two dogs and that they were a mm-hmm. dog. And you have to sometimes, I feel like, get on a granular level. Like we've got to incorporate that now into this new environment that will foster that type of communication that we can have that. And I think that's really creative that you've done that to where you can still have that even in a virtual environment by creating those daily huddles where you're going, hey, tell me two things you know about me, two things are true, one's not. And now I'm I'm fostering that type of communication and still creating that even when I might have somebody who's in one city and one in in another city, and I can still have that level of engagement even in a remote environment. So I think that's really clever. Well, you hit on a key word there, relationship. Our chief of growth and development, several years ago, he was speaking and he said, it's all about the relationship. And I have to agree with him. Anything we do in business and personal is all about that relationship, how you foster it, how you maintain it. And here we are at EQ Health. You have to have that relationship to be able to build trust and integrity in the work environment. And again, how do you build that relationship? You get to know that individual. And in our society, you have to know at a personal level as well as a business level, because that's where you build all of those connections. Mm, I love that. So I have my kind of final thought was looking forward, where do you feel like your greatest attention is and maybe greatest concern and greatest optimism about the future. If I had to talk to the future leaders and entrepreneurs, I would tell them that attitude is everything. You have to have that perfect attitude that the glass is half full. You have to work proactively and not in a reactive response. And you have to make every day count. You know, why wait and put off till tomorrow? If I can get it done today, then that's one less thing because in the HR world, no two days are alike. Every day you walk in, something's different or something gets put on your plate. But those are the things that I live by and those are the things that inspire me and I know they'll carry us to the future. I love it. Chris, thank you so much for your time sharing the story. I think it's such an amazing one. I think so many people will get so much from it. So I appreciate you taking some time to share it and uh, wish you the best. Thank you again. Thank you, Jason. It was my pleasure. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 